0: Get to Old Navy one day only, Saturday. Summer's hottest dresses are on sale, just 10 bucks for women, 8 bucks for girls. Plus, save even more when you redeem your Super Cash through Sunday at Old Navy and oldnavy.com. Hurry in, valid 68 select styles only.
1: Coming up: Airships, Method Acting and Just a Touch of Vaudeville. We're getting a little silly this week with Starlight Radio Dreams, right here on the Radio Drama Revival. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell brings you mystery adventure. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival. We have a very fun and very silly episode for you today from the fine folks at Starlight Radio Dreams, a live radio theater company out of Chicago, Illinois, featuring veteran voices of the Chicago radio theater podcast scene. Very shortly, you'll hear the voice of Ansel Birch, perhaps known to you as the narrator on the program Our Fair City as well as OFC alumni Cat Evans and Cameron Palmer. Later in the show, you'll hear my conversation with Derek, Ansel, and Adam, three of the clever fellas behind this podcast. Now, a little bit of background before we play this week's feature. Starlight Radio Dreams is a live variety show performed at two bars on Chicago's north side, Fizz Bar and the Black Rock. And if you're in Chicago, I recommend you check them out at either of those places, though I prefer the Black Rock myself. The show is a combination of old and new. Ansel Birch plays host Burlington Showtime, a fanciful, old-timey vaudevillian and film actor, and Anna Gatke plays host Devin Showtime, Burlington's new media millennial niece. Together they fight crime, and by fight crime I mean host a podcast. Starlight Radio Dreams is a variety show Like I said, there are four shows And today we're going to feature just one of them The Merry Wench Wendy Which is a ludicrous romp of a steampunk adventure Featuring airships, collectible trading cards And ridiculous accents What we're going to hear next is the frame of the show With Devin and Burlington Showtime introducing everything And setting up the episode And then we'll hear an episode of Merry Wench Wendy Settle in This is gonna get silly
2: Ladies and gentlemen, recorded live at Black Rock Pub in Chicago, Illinois, it's Starlight Radio Dreams episode seven!
3: Woo! 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 Whoa! What is that? Why, that what's that crazy crazy flashing in your rear view forcing you to pull over on this highway we call life? Why, that's just me! Officer Devin Showtime, dashing and witty internet sensation by day, super tough and stylish border police by night.
2: And filling in the role of good cop for you fine ladies and gentlemen will be me. Hollywood icon, Burlington Showtime.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, do you know why we we pulled you over, ma'ams and whatever is male for ma'ams? Misters? No.
2: Um, gents. No. Comrades. Okay,
3: Putin. I just.
4: Really okay, anyway,
3: ha- we pulled you all over because you've got a fun light out. Yeah, a fun light. But don't <laughs> worry, we're here to help because we're here from Station Starlight Radio Dreams, the epic podcast explosion of laughs drama, and more wit than all of Oscar Wilde's illegitimate children combined.
2: We are really stretching this cop metaphor, don't you think? I
3: I, I don't know, you think so? Because it sounds to me like someone just ran out of ideas.
2: Oh, oh, oh no, I will show you. I've got plenty of ideas. Ladies and gentlemen, please hand over your entertainment license and imagination registration and perhaps... (laughs) Perhaps we will let you off with a stern warning.
3: Imagination registration. What? What is wrong with that? I don't know. Nothing. A bottle of malort. We can't just help us all forget. Oh,
2: why? Oh, come now. No.
3: (laughs) So, Potty Pies, now that you've met us, let me also introduce our two deputies. On Mouthfully, we've got everyone's favorite double entendre, Dick
5: Oranges. Dick Oranges coming around the bend. Stop it. It's like Mad Max.
2: <laughs> and here to shout things and possibly even play the piano, our resident landlord slash my new roommate. Apparently, Isuf Yannar! What was? Isuf is in the house! <laughs> right. Does, do, you seem uncharacteristically chipper tonight, uh, Isuf. Yes, it is true. <laughs> uh, does this have anything to do with the little hearts you've been carving into my dining room furniture, even though I have repeatedly asked you not to? Oh,
3: Isuf is in love.
6: Yes, there is a special aid in Isuf's life. A special lady who is here tonight. Oh
3: hey. uh, no, 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 no. well, that's very sweet, I assume. But I, I think of you as a piano player. Oh
6: no 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 no! It's, it's not you. No, you look like a, a Korean pop star. Have baby with poodle.
3: Oh, oh I, I don't know what that means. Oh, is
6: compliments, but uh, it's not my type. No, I, uh, I like women like. Uh, Bleona Kiati, you know? Bleona,
2: huh? Uh, boom, boom! Can, can we please get back to the show? This is even more uncomfortable than last time.
3: <laughs> really? I feel adulterous feelings are pretty tame, all things considered.
5: Separated!
3: Okay, speaking of something totally unrelated, it's time to welcome our super awesome guest for tonight.
2: Oh Maya, are we jumping right into the intro already?
3: I thought you would want to cut to the chase.
2: I do, I do. Please do not stop.
3: Well, thanks, Uncle. Ladies and gentlemen, I worry that I can't properly articulate just how excited I am for tonight's guest, so I won't even try. In his already impressive career, he's won three Oswalds, five Golden Bull Awards, and 26 Pretentious Rich People's Choice Awards. Whoa. He burst onto the scene back in the day with modern classics like War Hippie and Stony, the destitute boxer who also has cancer, but is still making his mark in modern-day hits like Old Spies and Frat House Grandpa Everyone, please put your hands together for the one, the only, Lance Brucello!
6: Yes! Yeah! very exciting, thank you. yes. You're all very kind. Thank you, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> oh, you know, good. I'm so honored and pleased and enamored uh, to be let, in front of all let, you fine people right um, here right now. Mr. And Mr. I Mr. Brucello, uh,
2: they've, they've stopped clapping, uh, really, for a while now.
6: Of, of, course, of course I... I am just thanking them for any future applause they might offer at any one of my fine films for which I am not physically present.
3: Ah. Oh, that's so thoughtful. The mark
6: of a good actor is that he never stops thinking.
2: Ooh. Mm -hmm.
6: Burlington Showtime.
2: Yes, that is my name!
6: A pleasure to be working with you again.
2: Again? I, um... I'm afraid you have me at a loss, Mr. Buccello. Oh, sir, no
6: doubt the years have changed me.
2: What? Oh, oh, please, stay on your microphone.
6: But then, perhaps the face of an understudy... Stop creeping towards me. The face of an understudy in the dark is not
2: particularly memorable. What? What are you... Benjamin ben-
6: Don- oh. ah, Go away! And... Scene. Scene. <laughs>
3: What was that?! Uh, Sweeney Todd,
6: 1983 Revival Tour, I understudied for Ripped Worm, uh, for the role of the Demon Barber. I believe you were victim number three.
2: Oh, um... Sorry, it's been so long. I... I guess yes. i
6: You don't remember me because I never spoke to anyone in kept ah. to the shadows. As a method actor, I believe an understudy shouldn't even exist until he's called forth. From the
3: Void. (laughs) Wow. That is, that is so cool. Such dedication. Uh, so, (laughs) method acting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've heard of it, but I'm not really familiar, and I'm not sure how many of our audience members are either. I mean, it's not like... It's not like there's any method to Uncle's madness, so...
6: You know, it
2: is, it is perfectly acceptable to simply be from a different school of acting.
6: Method acting means to become the role rather than to fake some... Might say lie to the audience.
3: Ah! Ah! Oh, Whoa. Oh, no, no. That sounds like the only legit way to act. So.
2: I heartily object to both of your statements.
6: Would you like a demonstration?
3: Yeah, would Not we? Not necessary.
6: Very no. well. I even brought a script we can use. Oh, good.
3: That's awesome. We should jump right in then. Right, Uncle?
6: Oh, we're jumping into something, all right.
3: That's cool. Do you want to introduce it, Lance?
6: My pleasure. Esteemed members of the Academy, join me, won't you, as I apply my methodical artistry to the fantasy genre in this selected scene from the upcoming sure-to-be blockbuster film series, Abracadabra High School.
4: worried that maybe you'd been expelled
7: and I'd never see you again and you'd forget all about me. Oh, Winkle, you're the first friend that I ever made here at Abracadabra High School, and what's more, you're my very best friend in the whole entire world. Even if you are a... Swamp Elf. (laughs) I'd never ever forget about you. Copperfield Flintlock sent me a note via
4: Hat Rabbit saying that the magic police were after you. But everyone knows he's just a big
7: fat liar. So what actually happened? You must tell me! I've simply been talking to Miss Pocus, the school guidance counsellor, about taking more advanced placement magic courses next year. After I single-handedly saved the entire school from those evil living dolls. She felt that I was not performing up to my full academic potential. She's not wrong, Ambrosine,
4: but tell me more later, for we must hurry now, or I fear we will be late to Dr. Scratch's necromancy class, and he'll probably put you on scrub duty,
7: and me on academic probation again. Now, don't go worrying your pointy little ears about it, Winkle. (laughs) (laughs) Kindly old headmaster Castleford said that after I single handedly saved the entire school from the rampaging minotaur that their teaching staff owed me a great debt of gratitude and that I was one of the most impressive 14-year-olds ever to attend Abracadabra High School. At least the most impressive since my parents went here. Oh. Awkward. Oh! Seen. look,
4: here comes kindly old Headmaster Castleford now. A
6: glorious afternoon to you, Miss Ambrosine Chapman, and to you as well, Winkle, the swamp elf.
7: Headmaster Castleford, what a nice surprise to see you. We were all so worried that you had been gravely injured
4: when that flock of harpies attacked the school. I
6: may be advanced in my years. But I still have my wits about me. I still have quite a few tricks up my sleeve. But considering what you did, everyone here at Abra Cadebra High School can never.
7: Truly, thank you. <laughs> You're too kind, Headmaster. I suspect those harpies won't be trying to get their eggs back any time soon. <laughs> As for me, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time again. <laughs> and Winkle helped too, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Headmaster. I remember from my magical home ec class that harpies hate the smell of coriander. <laughs> it was a good thing you paid attention in that class, Winkle. Oh.
6: I am so glad to see you getting so involved in your studies, Ambrosine. Your parents would have been so proud to know that you are so dedicated to your education. They were quite the students back when they attended Abracadabra High School before that horrific. Incident. <laughs> uh
7: um subject change. Um Well, we uh... must be off to class. Mustn't we, Winkle? That's right. I am a swamp elf after all. But Dr. Scratch is sure to punish us! Ah, take
6: this whole pass. Take it! Now off! You go, children! Hurry off! Try to stay full of sunshine and dreams. Don't let Dr. Scratch get you down!
3: <laughs> uh. Whoa! Uh. That, that was so, so uh,
6: bizarre, terrifying, disturbing. It was
2: intense. All right, yeah, you go with you. that. Yes,
6: I believe that a character without intensity is a character. Not worth watching. Really? Mm.
2: So what do you do if a script calls for, say,
6: a subdued performance? I demand either a new script, a new writer, <laughs> or a new character.
3: God, I can't make an omelet without shattering someone else's self-esteem, am I right, Lance?
6: That is correct! So you just do that? Of course. Any actor worth his salt will stand up For the art form, surely you've done the same.
2: Well, actually, I I did once star as a recurring villain, the jokester, in the old Ratman and Vermin television program, and while I acquiesced to the necessary makeup for the role, I refused to shave off any of my facial hair.
6: Mm, Bearded clown, bold choice.
2: Mm, Yes, yes, we we did only last three episodes, uh, but that was mostly due to some harsh competition from some strikingly similar yet more successful property, which was granted already on the air.
3: (sighs) You know, Lance, as great as that sketch was, I think what we'd all really love to hear is you tackling a larger piece. So what do you say, audience?
6: I refuse to refuse my adoring fans. Script, please. There you go. Ah, yes. Period piece. Fantasy, sci-fi, all right. I've got this. Well, that was quick. A real actor is always prepared. Right.
3: Well, and with that, potties, let's set sail for some steampunk skies with another brand new episode of Mary Went Wendy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Aethernium. Athenium, a vibrant exotic world powered by steampunk engines and clockwork marvels, where railroads crisscross the landscape and airships sail the skyways, where danger abounds and high adventure awaits, and no one enjoys either quite as much as the merry wench, Wendy... Having narrowly escaped the Iron Empire in the frozen country of Slavicstan, Wendy and her crew have made her way to Walesmouth, a black market trading port hidden away in the mouth of an ocean-side cave. Here, they seek a map to the home of the legendary Sky Goblins, whom, they've recently learned, possesses a rare material the Empire needs to complete its mysterious project, the Flying Flame. We join Wendy, loyal treasure chest, Mr. Box, and the child prodigy Widget as they make their way through the crowd, unaware they'll all soon be surfing in Walesmouth.
0: Would you look at I all this stuff? I, I
3: could build a whole other airship with all
4: the junk they're selling here. here. Forget mm. the junk, will you? Look at the people. I've never seen Walesmouth so crowded.
2: Tis a sign of the times, madam. The more the Iron Empire oppresses its poorer citizens, the more they're forced to frequent such disreputable locales.
4: Disreputable? Tis a pirate port, Mr. Box.
2: Is there an and to that statement?
4: We're pirates, you rusty wastebasket. And who'll be more disreputable than us?
2: More less yeah. dis-grammatical yeah. inconsistencies yeah. recognised. Ah, oh, rust. Engaging pretentious grammar critic mode.
3: Wait a wide go one day. I was really looking forward to having me sentences poked and prodded like a dead frog.
2: Master Widget, I believe what you meant to say was that was an excellent accomplishment, uh, Mr. Accomplishment, O'Malley. I am greatly anticipating my sentences being dissected like the cadaver of an amphibian.
3: Oh, don't you go messing me with me, you lousy
4: rust bucket!
2: A better way to phrase that would be. Please refrain from causing me undue stress, you dreadful water-damaged container.
4: All right, that's enough, both of
2: And you might also have said... Shut
4: it! Mm. Now, we would be here for a map, yes? Well, that's right, a map to the Spikeback
3: Mountains if we're really swallowing this old sky, goblins to so, ah. Widget,
7: Widget, what is it?
2: Perhaps he's finally come to realise how the impropriety of one's grammatical choices can negatively <laughs> impact...
7: Oh, Adam- Step right
6: up, folks, to the Edamon store. I've got all the Edamonster merchandise you can afford. Take some cards home for the kiddies, or how about a lovely stuffed peppercuno for the missus?
7: Wendy, 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 (gasps) Wendy! Can we go?
3: Look, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, can we go? Look, I promise to be good, and we can get the map
4: right after just five minutes, please!
2: Where where do I even start?
4: You say one thing about grammar and I'll have you made into a music box. That
2: doesn't sound so... That
4: only plays poker.
2: Reverting to helpful sidekick mode.
4: Thank you.
6: Look at all the rare out monster cards I've got here. There's artichoke, cinnamon soon, salazar, Creamy puff, Radishan, mozzarella man, fondue, fondue Two, celery, legumea, and of course, everyone's favorite, paprika chew. And it's of all form, achoo. Come and get them all before they're gone.
7: Gotta get em all,
6: gotta get them all, yes! Gotta get all, yes! Master Widget,
2: I'm afraid we simply do not have time for frivolous... Exo- yarr! May uh, my haze,
0: tis a fine day for shopping, yar. Bring your gold down to the Pirate Porium, the finest hall of booty in all of Whalesmouth.
4: Did... did he say Pirate Porium?
0: I did, lass! We got guns, swords, flags, treasure chest, eye patches, peg legs, peg arms, steam grenades, <laughs> real grenades... Personal cannons, impersonal cannons. Parrots are both the living and clockwork varieties. And that's just in our clearance section.
4: Clearance? As in faulty and potentially dangerous kind of clearance?
0: Yay! the faultiest gear
6: you ever laid eyes on might blow up
2: right in your face, yer. Oh. oh, madam, madam, not you too. Please, we must get to find in the map for the Imperials.
5: History, Ooh. science, knowledge, all this and more. It stands discount bookland. We
2: really need to um... come and
5: connect with the greatest minds in Ethereum through the magic of our special patented <laughs> books. <laughs> Explore life's secrets on every page. We've got tomes on steamworks, clockworks, honest work, dirty work, the philosophies of Aristotle, Plateau and Confuse Us, and even historical records of the fabled Gin Crusades.
2: Engaging mindless consumerist mode.
4: <laughs> all right, all right, that settles it. First we shop, then we find a map. A half an hour won't kill us, right? yay, yeah, 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 yeah Oh, and the monsters thank you, and they thank
3: you. And so our heroes abandon their heroic duties to engage in selfish, capitalistic pursuits. In fact, so enraptured are they by the marketplace that they fail to spot a foreboding
7: figure watching them from the shadows. Attention, lovers of fashion and high-class society. The dress hall is open for business. We got dresses, corsets, bonnets, bustles, rustles, tussles, muscles, tea sets, pinkle lifters, reusable crumpets, and steam-powered manners. What's all this then? And for the next 30 minutes, everything is 90% off! Well, 90%!
3: Narrator wants things.
0: 30 minutes later.
4: Widget! Mr. Box! Hello!
7: There you are! Did you get what
4: you wanted?
7: Oh, did I? Look! Look at all the cards they had!
3: I got a butterbay, and an avalanche, and a dragon muffin! <laughs>
4: I'm going to wipe the floor with Biggins next time we play. That's nice. Oh, just you wait, Henry Biggins, just you wait. (laughs) All right, now we need to find Mr Box. Right here, madam. Ah! Why do you need to sneak up on me like that?
2: I didn't realise I could sneak, madam, being a treasure chest and all. Ha,
4: ha. Came away empty-handed, I see.
2: Yes, it turns out the sales pitch was a tad misleading. Apparently they had books on the gin crusades not the Djinn Crusades.
4: Are, are you trying to pull me leg, or...? what? Well, bo- boxes are hard to read.
2: Oh, well, you see, I am interested in the Jin Crusades, wherein all-powerful genies helped establish many of our ancient human civilizations. but they only had books on the Djinn Crusades, wherein a small contingent of disorganised drunks rampaged across the countryside in an ill-fated quest... <laughs> For the last few stores of an alcoholic beverage, gin. Alas, in their zeal, they drove the liquor to the brink of extinction and now surviving batches can only be found distilling in captivity.
4: Fascinating. Do you buy anything, Wendy? Aye, I got myself a pistol, a compass and this fancy bejeweled eye patch. <laughs> oh, it's so sparkling.
2: Madam, <laughs> ma- madam, you already have a gun, a compass and both eyes. Do I have to start carrying your wallet again?
4: No, Mum. True, I don't need new gear, but me current gun and compass don't run the risk of spontaneous combustion. Ah. These beauties are guaranteed to blow any second.
2: Lovely. And the eye patch?
4: It pays to plan ahead. Well. <laughs> so, um where
3: to now? I didn't see any maps for sale in the Edamon store.
4: The pirate porium had a few, but of course they're all just phony treasure maps for the tourists. Well, how do you know they're phony?
2: Consider, Master Widget, if you add a map to a vast hidden store of treasure, would you sell it in bulk?
7: Right. Logic.
2: Now don't you fret either, you, because it just so happens that Walesmith is home to Athernium's most experienced cartographers. You
4: don't say, and who be this charter of courses, Mr. Knows Everything?
2: Why, twould be Garmin von
8: Google, of course, madam.
4: <laughs> Why? You heard right,
3: friends. Garmin von Google, a man who knows the world of aethernium like the back of his hand, or even the front of his hand, or dare I say, the slope of his belly when he's staring in the mirror and wondering if he'll ever lose that weight. But I digress. Mr Box, having previously learned Von Google's address from a helpful telegraph book at Stan's Discount Bookland, leads our merry band to the cartographer's private home. This is where he lives. I'm surprised anything could live in a dump like this.
2: Yes, well, from what I've heard, Mr Von Google has had a hard time of it. His vocation, being what it is, he's always been an avid supporter of free exploration, which the Iron Empire is decidedly against.
4: Oh, wh- why? Why is that? Because when you explore, you get ideas, and there ain't nothing more dangerous than someone who tinks outside the box. No pun or offence intended, Mister Box.
2: None assumed of either, Madam. Now let's see if he's home. <laughs>
3: Oh, for the love of cogs!
6: Whoever you are, I don't want any cookies. I'm satisfied
4: with my telegraph provider, and I do not have a minute to talk about the cog father. Mr. Von Google, wait! We're not here to bother you with any of that. Oh yeah, we just need your help to find a bunch of magical monsters. Oh, have you no? Know,
6: I am a grown man and thus deny any interest or enjoyment in that incredibly addictive Edamonster's card game.
4: Oh, really?
2: Uh, Mr. Von Goggle, please, we require your assistance with a cartographical issue. Tis a matter of life and death.
6: Why don't
4: all you go live in a mountain and stop bothering people? Rust, this be getting us nowhere. Well, hold on, Wendy. I've got an idea. Hey,
3: Mr. Von Gogo. Are you sure you don't want to help? I'm
6: positive.
3: Oh, not even for a level
7: 100 turkey-tron.
3: Did you
6: say a level 100 turkey-tron?
7: Mm-hmm. You
3: heard me? Just got it, too. It's so fresh. And it's packaging and everything. Ooh,
6: let me see. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, 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 oh. It's so beautiful. All right. I'll hear you out, provided A, I get the card, no strings attached, and B, you never say a word of this to anyone. Got it? Got, Got it. Oh, all right. Come on in. Mm.
3: And so our adventurers are invited into the mapmaker's humble accommodations. Maps of all shapes and sizes drape the walls while a flickering gaslight keeps the shadows at bay. Google himself is a plump elder man with thinning white hair and the kind of stubble one might find on a freshly shaved cat.
6: Sorry to have been such a fuddy-duddy back there. You never know who might be at the door these days.
3: That's quite all right, Mr.
6: Von Google. Oh, my such manner. Uh, please call me Garmin. Now, go ahead and make yourselves at home. Pardon the mess. I don't get visitors often, as you can imagine. And I certainly don't get visitors like a, a lady pirate, a, a little boy, and a... What are you? A dresser?
2: I am a treasure chest automaton. Thank you very much.
6: Oh, oh, he, oh, right, a treasure chest with the pirate and the.
4: Oh, 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 of course. Now, who wants tea? Uh, that's very kind of you, garmin, But we're in a bit of a rush. Oh yes, right, mother. The matter of life and death, like you said and the. Oh yes, so. What can I do to help
6: you? We need a map. Well, obviously, it's not like I'd be much help with the gardening. Huh? <laughs> uh, a map to wear, though.
7: The Spikeback
3: Mountains.
6: The Spikeback Mountains? Are you mad? Never mad, only merry. Oh, sure, because that makes it so much better.
3: But
4: why there? Why not someplace nice and safe like, I don't know, Hurricane
6: Island
5: or Death Boom Volcano? We
4: need to find the Sky Goblins before the Iron Empire does.
5: The Sky Goblins?
3: Oh,
4: yep. They're supposed to have this awesome
3: stuff called Gravisite. What can make stuff fly without engines or
7: balloons or anything?
2: The Empire wants it to finish building their flying flame device. And while we still don't know what it is, we're positive it can't be a good thing.
6: Wait! Did I hear right?
4: You're trying to stop the flying flame. Aye, you know something about it then. I know enough. Anyone who's looking to
6: take down that crazy contraption is all right in my book. Okay, let me just go check my Atlas collection and then... Oh, uh, those kooky gear scouts again.
7: I told you no kookies. I'm not here for sugar, darling. Might this be the wrong Google residence? Wait, who... That voice. ...wants to know?
4: It's... It couldn't be. Get away from the door
3: (laughs) Too late. (laughs) No, oh, I'm sorry, that was awfully insensitive of me. What I meant to say was horrors danger menace Our heroes are thrown back as von Google's door explodes inward and a bizarre insectoid silhouette scuttles through the resultant hole. Sitting in an iron harness Suspended by eight mechanical legs Is what must assume to be either a woman Or a man with long blonde hair And disturbingly impressive pictorals Cold blue eyes stare out from beneath a wide-brimmed hat, brimming with primal fury. Ooh, this. I mean, I'm sorry, I just gave myself goose pimples.
6: Oh, my poor head. <coughs> I, I think I'll just pass out now if you all don't mind.
7: Mr. Van Gogh! <clears throat> well, if this don't beat all, Wendy O'Malley, as I live and breathe... <laughs> Erica. Erica McCready. You're alive. It's arachnus now, you lily-livered friend-abandoning, backstabbing table wench. Uh, Well, you got one of those right. Wait.
2: Erica McCready? As in Condor McCready's dead daughter?
4: Judging by our circumstances, you also only got one of those
7: right. Ha! Dead? You wish. There we were pillaging a bunch of hoity-toity, rust-licking aristocrats like we always done, when suddenly you decided to grow a conscience. You tried to throw a grenade at them. So? They were unarmed
4: civilians, you nutjob. Seriously? You blew me up over a
7: Technicality. What? That was an accident. You wouldn't let go of the stupid live grenade. And, and it blew up in our faces instead of those filthy rich folk. And while you got to walk away without so much as a scratch, I went soaring off that airship like a turkey trying to fly. And look at me now! Erica, I never meant! My name's Arachne! Yeah, all right, I got it! Whoa, whoa! Look at those spider legs! Stay back, Widget, this be no time for gadget gawking! <laughs> like my new duds? Maybe not as nice as what I used to wear, but then again, get it, get me around well enough. Not that I have much choice, of course. Turns out getting blown off an airship can really take the wind out of a girl's sails. And by sails, I mean legs. Oh, uh, Rust. Erica, I'm... I'm so sorry. I had no idea Of course you didn't. Never even bothered to see if I was alive. Just left us and ran off to have your stupid, goody-two-shoe pirate adventures. Erica, I swear, if I had thought there was any chance you sort of survived, I
4: would have looked for you...
7: He found me, patched me up. Took him years to find someone who could get me moving again, even if it isn't this rusk bucket.
2: I'm sorry, I I have to ask, why a spider?
7: (laughs) Because, box for brains, spiders are the fiercest killers in the Insect Kingdom.
2: Sorry, but technically spiders are... Not the
7: time for a science lesson, Mr. Box! And that's exactly what I am now, a killer! (laughs) Pa's go-to assassin, and boy, oh boy, when I heard you were my next assignment, I tell you what, I almost felt my feet tingle. Wait, Condor sent you? Y'all didn't think Pa would just let you stroll out of his club after that mess you left, did you? ain't never been one to let a humiliation like that slide. Oh, rust. Rust indeed, old friend. Rust for y'all. Now come here and let me kill you proper! <laughs> <laughs> run! Widget! Mr. Box!
4: Grab on Google! <laughs> Is somebody call? Oh,
2: He's going in my mouth, isn't he? Just
4: grab him and run!
2: In you go, Garmin.
4: But, but I... Uh, oh, oh, oh,
6: oh.
2: There we are,
6: off oh, we go Let's out of here
2: <laughs> you all gonna
6: die <laughs> these are very nice accommodations, thank you
3: ah! 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 As one might expect from that incredibly dramatic build-up A thrilling chase ensues as the vengeful Arachnus Pursues our heroes through the streets of Walesmouth. Will they escape the new dreaded foe? Find out next time when we return with the Siren of the Skyways, the Corsair of the Clouds. Just kidding. It's just kidding. Amidst the confusion, Arachnus fires a strange, gooey substance from her mechanical harness,
7: hitting what? Widget square in the back. One day, she gone. Widget! <laughs> <laughs> How do you like my web gun? Made it myself. Now, come here, you little. Grab what? me hand! Oh. Mr. Box, help me pull!
4: Oh, help! Oh. Is everything okay
7: out there? No! Now either sh- help or shut up! Oh be quiet. Give <laughs> it up, Wendy! Y'all can't match my steam-powered strength. And I got me some poison daggers here. We'll finish your brat off, but good. Shh. I call them my defangs because they... Yes, <laughs> spiders! We all get it and we all think it's stupid as rust! Just for that, I'm gonna web y'all up and drain you dry like a real spider! <laughs> really? I don't want my blood drained! Just hang on, Widget! Rust,
4: what are we gonna do? Any ideas, Mr. Box? we're well, I'm sure that was bloody brilliant, but I didn't catch a word. What about you, Garmin? Me? No, I'm no good in a fight.
6: The best that I can do is uh, point you in the right direction. Wait. Right
4: direction?
7: Erica! I told you it's arachnid!
4: I don't care what you call yourself. You'll always be Erica to me. Me friend. I hate you! I know, and I'm sorry for what I done. Truly. So, here's a present. In a flash. Wendy yanks a
3: small gadget from her belt and chucks it at Arachnus. Surprised by the sudden move, Erica drops her web gun and catches the gift with all the skill of a major league shortstop. A prison.
4: What is this? A compass? Yep. Boy, it's a bit old. You might need to give it a good shake to get it
7: going. What? Like this? <laughs> You blew me up again? Run! Quick, before she recovers!
4: And so
3: our heroes bravely flee like decapitated poultry. Once they've achieved a healthy distance, they take a moment to regain their bearings.
4: Is everyone all right? Oh, yep. You?
6: Well someone please let me out of here already?
2: Oh, righty then. Are you alright, madam?
4: I'll, I'll be okay, Mr. Box. Thanks.
2: Yes, well, we should get going before Arachnus recovers, but there is still the matter of a map.
6: Oh,
4: for the love of cogs,
6: I'll help you out, just please. Take me with you. You
4: want to come along?
6: No. I want to stay here with the crazy spider lady. Of course I want to come along. Besides, what choice do I have? It's not like I have a home to go back to anymore. Ah, right. Sorry about that. Eh, Forget about it. You know, I was three months behind on my rent as it was. So, (sighs) listen... Uh, let, let's listen to you and your other men, and then... Uh, yeah, whatever. Let's it go already. I'll tell you everything I know about the flying flame on the way,
4: huh? Well, on the way where?
8: You
6: wanted to go to the Spikeback Mountains, didn't you? But
4: don't we need a map?
6: Lady, you're traveling with Garmin von Google now.
3: I am the map. And so, another chapter closes for our heroes. What adventure awaits them in the Spikeback Mountains? Will they find the fabled Sky Goblins? And what became of the fearsome Arachnus? Find out next time when we return for more high-flying adventures, for real this time. With the Siren of the Skyway, the the Corsair of the Clouds, the Merry Wench, Wendy!
1: All right, y'all that was some Starlight Radio Dreams for you. Now, let's take a listen to a recent interview I did with some of the creative team from SRD. Roll tape, Matthew. Ansel Birch, Derek Gatke, and Adam McLevy. welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Thank you Ooh. for having us. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So let's let's talk about how Starlight Radio Dreams began. And Ansel, let me start with you because I, I know you best. Um, so for, for those of the listeners, for those of you that don't know... Ansel is the the voice of the narrator character in Our Fear City, a podcast that also counts me as one of its alumni. Uh, and you wrote for Our Fear City for a while, and then you wrote for another podcast, Locked Into Vacancy Entertainment or Live. How did you How did you meet up with like with Anna and Derek and Adam? How How did the What's the nucleus of this production?
8: It's super interesting. We actually know each other from outside of the podcasting world, primarily. Adam and I uh, worked together very closely at the Bristol Renaissance Fair. And Derek sort of came into the picture yeah. through that as well.
5: I knew it. Derek and I went to college together yeah. um, uh, in the theater department. Many uh, a theatrical endeavor yeah. was, was explored. There. Yeah, we've lived together a couple of times. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're fairly well enmeshed.
1: So, okay, so so Derek and Adam, the two of you went to University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. Right. Yes, this Uh, is Adam,
5: and that is correct.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Adam was it? Was it you or Derek that was in uh, at the Bristol Ren Fair with Uh, uh, with Ansel?
5: With Ansel, that was me. Um, I was there for a number of years. Uh, I was a director there for a number of years. Uh, Ansel was in my cast. Um, He and I have been um, sort of playing off each other. in many different forms for a while.
8: Yeah, God, nearly 10 years now. Oh,
1: God. Ansel, can we talk about, really, really briefly, about your most
8: notable Renfair character? Uh, yes. Uh, my, my longest running and most notable character. Thank
5: God there's just one.
8: Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, is uh, Captain Sir Martin Frobisher. Uh, he is a, a for real guy uh, and a complete crazy person uh if you if you Google it seriously, like look him up. I cannot make up things dumber than and, and crazier and better than what he did in real life. The guy was a, <laughs> an, an Arctic explorer, he was a pirate. Uh, he is responsible for the second largest gold fraud in history. Um, just crazy crazy character. Uh, and yeah I've been playing him since. 2006, so yeah, solid, solid Ooh. ten years now. Woof, yeah, Gah. uh that's bad math. How do you how do you play Captain Sir Martin
1: Frobisher? What is what is your your spin on this character?
8: Loudly, uh, loudly, yeah. Um, I I looked at this guy historically, and I thought to myself, you know, what are the redeeming features and the the identifiable and. Um, accessible features of this person, things that that audience members will be able to associate with. Um, And, you know, aside from being just like a complete motivated jerk, like he's the kind of guy who would punch you if you were in the way on the street. Um, But I don't play that side of him. I instead focus on his ambition for fame uh, and his desire to be remembered after his death um so i I focus very very heavily on on his desire to be cared about um which I think people identify with very heavily. I think a lot of people want to be cared about um and so that's been my that's been my major focus in playing that character what's it like to direct ansel? <laughs>
0: Wait, uh, this is Derek. Is this a question? Quest? Are you asking us what What's it's like comment? for us to direct him, or, or what is it like to direct, to direct. comma Ansel? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the
2: comma?
1: Derek, what was it like to direct uh, Captain Sir Martin Frobisher?
5: That was a thankless task. <sighs> Some of the most difficult years of my life. Um, actually, no, it was it was perfectly easy. Like he's very much a. Ansel's a, a self-starter, so you just sort of point him in a direction and let him go and hope that he comes back at the end of the day.
8: Uh, the accurate.
1: That's accurate. <laughs> so, so I guess my question is, does the Ren Faire aesthetic play into the way you conceive of uh, Starlight Radio Dreams?
5: There is a sort of grab bag approach uh, to the Renaissance Fair in that, you know, we've got sort of a general place and time uh, but there 's a surprising amount of wiggle room uh, and you know provided you can do something that 's not particularly unperiod uh, as long as it 's funny and engaging for the audience uh, you know fair game play ball and I think you know that certainly serves us um, in our in our podcast in that we've you know we 've picked out some um, some genres and some tropes, and we sort of operate. You know, mostly within the lines, but certainly um, with some wiggle room here and there for weirdness and absurdity and uh, uh, bizarre explorations of various sorts.
8: I I think, and this actually hadn't occurred to me until you asked that question, but we've definitely kept a bit of that uh, spirit in the show, specifically in the fact that if you listen very carefully to shows like Geezer Space... And Mob Daughters, uh, we've definitely taken uh, excuses to start in a theme and then do a complete fantasia on it. Uh, for example, in Mob Daughters, where we had the one episode with the superhero for funsies.
5: Oh, yeah. The um, Vanguard. The
8: Vanguard. Yeah. To just completely flip
1: around genre expectations. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, while still, like, keeping ourselves within that genre. I think that's that's one of the things that we're, we're still plenty committed to. Um, you know, I think one of the things that sometimes, uh, you know, bothers me about some stories is, you know, people, like, they pick out a setting, uh, and it seems like a really cool idea, and then they just seem to get bored with it super fast (laughs) and just decide to take it in any direction at all and it sort of morphs into this thing that it never originally was and then, you know, it gets harder to figure out, you know, what's it, what is it all about anymore?
8: I feel that way about most sitcoms. Yeah.
0: For me, a signal that the the writers have... Just lost all idea of what to do. Is they've introduced time travel or alternate dimensions. Bam! I understand what just happened there in the writer's room. They're like, screw it, we're going time traveling, whatever. Didn't that, ha- didn't that happen in Family Ties? Probably, I'm I think, sure, yeah. <laughs> it must have. The, the time travel episode, yeah.
1: Oh no! Sorry, Family Matters. Like there was a whole like the Urkel. Oh, Urkel yeah. yes. kind of took over Family Matters and became yep. like a science fiction. Th- they show, decided
0: right? a nerd co- meant mad scientist at some point, and mm-hmm. we had robots and clones, and
1: yeah, that was yeah. Great. that. That one got weird. Yeah, I, I guess my question is when when you're writing the show, how do you how do you balance um, the the needs for you know genre purity, which you we've we've said we don't we, you don't hang on to that hard with not getting bored.
5: Well, uh one of the things that we do is um we take a very communal approach to the to the stories. Um I mean each of us uh writes a couple of the uh, serials, but then it gets, uh, passed by the other writers, um, who give it sort of a, a look over. And then, um, we always have a, a feedback session after the first read through. So if anything, if anything feels like it's a little bit too out there or feels, uh, sort of thematically, um, not of this world, or that maybe a stronger choice could have been made, uh, then that's usually when that sort of thing comes up, um, and we also spent a a long time sort of uh, figuring out what the um, what the feel of each of these particular
0: serials was going to be before we even started writing them. So, yeah. uh, I think uh, the way to avoid the trap of getting bored in your show is really dig into the characters you've established and explore where they're going if if you don't have characters growing it un, it's understandable why you'd get bored and want to take it in weird places because what else are you going to do but if you go back to what makes this person tick uh how can i take them on a journey mm-hmm. then you can take that journey in whatever genre you want including the one you started in <laughs> so mm-hmm. that i feel is is the key and if people are getting like if you're if you're writers at home are getting off track go back to your characters that's where the secrets lie.
1: So, w- to what extent are are the characters in the show, or at least the two hosts of the show, Ansel and Derek, your wife Anna, I'm sorry she couldn't be with her t- be w- here with us today, uh, to what extent are they based on Ansel and Anna? Because, Ansel, I happen to know that you are a man with a very fine mustache. <laughs> <laughs> a man who waxes that very fine mustache and has a love, as, as you have evidenced, of, of history and anachronism and the very practice of, of radio drama, right? This kind of old-timey vaudevillian form. And that that really comes out in the character of Burlington Showtime. Anna, I've never met. Uh, to what extent are Burlington and Devin Showtime based on these two people? I have to be very careful because I'm married to one of them.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why we're letting you answer this question. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that they are... To I mean, of, of course, because Ansel and Anna have to be these characters every, every month... Um there is a huge chunk of them that's inherent to the characters that's presented uh if anything they're huge caricatures of some aspects of their personalities, but you know the personhoods of who they are, like um Burlington being the old vaudevillian Hollywood actor and uh Devon being the up and coming sassy youtube celebrity um those kinds of aspects are um it's it's tied into who Ansel and Anna really are, but it's not like parts of life that they've necessarily gone out and explored. Like mm. Ansel has not been in a black and white film, to my knowledge. You're absolutely correct uh, that the the glorious mustache and
8: interest in anachronism that comes with Burlington Showtime uh, are hugely caricatures upon myself, uh, and I think Anna is is definitely like the hip. Young, uh, more marketing and technology aware of the two of us. She's got spunk. She's got spunk. Yeah. She's girls got moxie. Yeah. Um And so I think those base concepts are are very of us. So Derek and Adam,
1: this whole concept for this variety show did it did it begin
0: with the two of you in college? Hmm. I I think there's. Going back to the term DNA in the stuff, like, sure, yeah. We used to play, you know, pen and paper RPGs we were, all the yeah. time, and, and we
5: were also the two of us were in a lot of shows. Yes, we were opposite each
0: shows, other, yes. uh, here and
5: there. Um, so there's,
0: you know, definitely some chemistry there. Um, but I, I one th- aspect of our old uh, role playing days that I think sort of comes into play here is we'd always switch off every night who was running the game. And depending on whoever was running the game and what campaign they wrote, we would all have very different experiences based on who that was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's reflected in the serials, is each serial has a very different aesthetic, which is intentional and mm-hmm. desired, uh, to give some variety to the listeners. So if you're like, ah, this isn't my thing, well, maybe one of the other serials is.
5: Yeah. Um, or even just to give your your ears and your brain something different to yeah. process for yeah. another 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, and then uh, thusly, the the host segments sort of uh, exist to bring those all into a, a shared world other than just you know, hey, here's a bunch of really different stuff that we're don't really we're not going to bother to connect in any way yeah. um, so the the host segments certainly um, help in that respect so this is, this
1: is a question to all that I'd like all three of you to answer in turn what What radio theater? Do you like or did you listen to the radio theater as children or when did you first start to realize that audio drama or audio fiction was an option
8: when i was a kid uh for whatever reason my parents had decided that uh audio was the way i was going to experience things that were intended to be uh video yeah. um so, like, we listened to the Bill Cosby LP for what was in fact a video presentation of uh, himself. Um, I also experienced for the majority of my childhood uh, "Life of Brian," the fa- the fabulous Monty <laughs> Python film, uh, purely uh, in audio form. Uh, so, I didn't I didn't see that movie in video scenes, yeah. until I was, I think. In high school. Um, so, you know, a lot of my experience with, with you know, comedy, with, with my favorite comedies, Monty Python and, and whatnot, um, was was pure audio. It was all um, on a tape because uh, my dad worked at a, at a record store. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Did he
1: just... Did he just make vinyl pressings of the soundtrack? I don't. I don't understand.
8: Did he have access to the the film reels or something? He, so they made they sold albums for for a lot of movies at in the like seventies, for whatever reason. Um, and you can you can still like find the album version of Life of Brian out there. Um, and because Dad worked in the stereo store and was super hip at the time. Uh, he converted the LPs to audio tape because those were cool and new, um, to him. Uh, so, yeah, so that was, that was his thing, was he was, like, a very early pirate from, from LP to audio tape. That's amazing. Adam, what about you?
5: Um, I'll admit to sort of coming into the, uh, audio game somewhat, uh, later on, um, like maybe only about eight or nine years ago, uh, roughly around the time that I, I moved to Chicago and found myself in an office job and just needed to like put podcasts in my ears to keep humanity out, and um and like I had never been into podcasts at all before then. They were you know still sort of a shiny new thing at the time um and i remember the first podcast that i really got into was uh comedy bang bang which at the time was comedy death ray um sure. not super big on like you know uh story and continuity but uh really excellent for like um establishing uh a, a very vivid character and then just sustaining that character over a uh, you know, just extended weirdness. Um, so that's that's certainly an element that I've been very keyed into for a long time, um, and a lot of my favorite podcasts generally have that sort of element to it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: All right, my turn. Yes, please. Okay. Um, I would. I'm kind of both Of <laughs> the experiences that Ansel and Adam had. I uh, I've had a podcast radio drama love revival upon moving to chicago and getting into an office and the comedy bang bang was one of the the podcasts i was listening to consistently um i but i do remember what back in my childhood like do, do you guys remember those um disney storybooks that came with the records oh, oh yeah did the audio because you you were too young to read. I
5: remember when they came with the cassette tape, and there'd be okay. that like, boo, boo, yeah. I'm the try page. to remember that. Yeah.
0: So I had, so I had those kinds of things, um, and I, I remember really, I remember trying to like get out a cassette player and record myself doing a stupid talk show, and realizing I had nobody to talk to because I was in my room by myself. Um, and I distinctly remember having the storybook. From the Gremlins movie. Oh yeah. But I only had the first one, and apparently there's like two or three. And it ends with this really creepy music, and the last page is like they find the Gremlin egg pods in the attic, Mm -hmm. and then it ends. And that horrified me for years until I finally saw the movie. I was like, Oh, they can be funny too, but that that's all I knew about Gremlins at the time was (laughs) creepy music. Scary image of egg pods, and oh, there's no more story. So this I guess is, we're all dying.
5: This is weird, but I I swear I had the second book. Oh, that like so you had it. with the gremlins. Yeah, you had the only copy.
8: I did not have this.
1: Yeah, nor did I. I grew up so the first the first radio theater that I think I really ever listened to was uh, Guy Noir on Prairie Home Call. Oh. oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I was wondering if there was any connection between that and and the practice of mouth foley that you have in the show
5: Mm. um the mouth foley things sort of came about as um basically a practical solution yeah i would
0: say Uh, we wanted to make sure that the show was mobile for any possible you know venues that we might take it to and we had worked with uh companies that used full-on foley tables before and man trucking those those tools around that's a lot of work mm-hmm. and space in cars, and we already had, like, sound equipment to move. So we just basically looked at each other and was like, can any of us make noises? Yeah. And, of course, Adam <laughs> spoke up right away. And... Yeah,
5: I mean, I think that it lends a sort of, like, charming lo-fi element to it. Yes. Uh, given the fact that, like, we we do this show live and we record it live, um, there's very little, uh, you know, post-production that happens, Other mm, yeah. you know, aside from just... Uh, our wonderful audio dude uh, cleaning up the audio. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, it also helps us to, like, kind of crank out the episodes faster when we don't have to add in uh, a bunch of extra stuff in post. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
8: Shout out to Peter, who always makes us sound so good. Peter Carparelli. Mm-hmm. Oof.
0: There's no one better.
8: But yeah, yeah. We, we are very, very fortunate that that idea came to us. And I will admit that at the time, I believe I said... Like in Prairie Home Companion, so <laughs> I guess I have a, a long history with audio drama because not only did I grow up with those LPs that I talked about previously, but um, you know I listened to a lot of Prairie Home Companion as a kid, and um, you know when I when I went to college and started doing started doing radio work, started doing you know. Stuff closer to what we're doing now. Um, I I did a lot of research ahead of it, and I listened to a lot of Prairie Home, and I listened to like The Shadow and Space Cadets um, and or Space Patrol rather as as reference for the work that really has taken me to you know our First city and now to this project. Um, so yeah, so I mean Prairie Home Companion. You could have you could have much worse things in your background. <laughs> than than that delightful little romp through mm. Minnesotan whimsy.
1: What is it? What is it about the Midwest that that produces all this radio drama? You know, I'm from I'm from the Chicago suburbs. Ansel, you're from you're from Southern Ohio, right? You're from Lake I lived Young's there. Canary? I'm
8: I won't claim it as where I'm from. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: And um, uh, Adam and Derek, think... are you both from Wisconsin? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
5: There's just terribly little to do. I'm I was gonna... gonna
0: say we have nothing here and. We have no money. Yeah, so. <laughs> as
5: as an indoor kid who grew up in a very outdoors area, yep. um, you know, you've only to reflect back inward on your own mind and imagination yeah. for entertainment.
0: <laughs> we don't have Broadway; <laughs> we got broadcasting.
5: I wanted to ask
1: about where the four serials originated. <laughs> I see a lot of Brazil in Lost in Paradise, but I, I wanted to talk about like what what the the foundational references are where, you know, where's the, the myth stuff that you're pulling from to make these, these stories.
5: Uh, yeah. Um, you're definitely spot on with, um, lost in paradise, having a, a Brazil feel to it. Um, there's definitely a lot of Terry Gilliam floating around in my brain. Um, there's also just a lot of having spent a number of years working in an office environment and, on some level, this is sort of like um, fighting back against that particular lot in life. Um, a lot of the uh, the individual encounters and experiences in Lost in Paradise uh, are exaggerations, but um, many of them absolutely have a, a grain of truth in their genesis. Um, let's see, uh, mob Good Daughters. Lord, what kind of what kind of work did you do? I just. <laughs> just working in an office just working in like a a big multinational company just uh one of those huge monolithic uh corporate entities where you know you're you're a number and you you know push your button and then you go home and that's like
8: little known fact adam works in a nightmare factory
5: <laughs> oh okay um uh, yes uh As far as uh, Mob Daughters goes, um, that one came from an interesting place. Uh, When I was sort of trying to come up uh, with another serial, because originally I had an idea to do some sort of like a a Tarzan pastiche, and then I decided that I didn't like that idea and was just trying to uh, throw th- th- the proverbial spaghetti at the wall to see what stuck. I was watching, I was binge watching a lot of, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia okay. and, uh, trailer park boys at the time. Cause I think that people, uh, doing really horrible things is deeply hilarious on some level. And, and I wanted to have, uh, characters just, just doing awful things. Um, and I knew that I wanted to, uh, take advantage of, um, uh, I knew, I knew that I wanted to have like, um, female voices in there as well. Uh, and I, and it all sort of, uh, coalesced together into, you know, um, Laverne and Shirley inherit the mob where they're, they're dropped in this, uh, sort of, you know, very, male very uh patriarchal uh sort of environment um and you know just have to sort of like uh figure it all out as they go along. Um and meanwhile, you know, they're they're bumping people off, they're, you know, uh dropping bodies off of bridges at night. Uh that's a very important element to me, they're... is that they're like they're not good people. Like they're they're people that, you know, we like and maybe we identify with, but they're not good people.
8: <laughs> I-, I like that they're casually awful.
5: Like... Yeah. Like it's never a big deal that they're like you know, beating up some uh, stool pigeon that's tied to a chair. Yeah. It's just
8: the, the conflict in their life is is that they're sisters and yes. they've, got, they've got their own issues to deal with. Yes. None of which are I just killed a guy. Yeah, in an the alley. biggest
5: conflicts are always interpersonal in that one. Yeah. It's always about trying to figure out like, you know, a sibling that you don't quite identify with and don't have a real good background with as opposed to just like, oh maybe we should kill this boxer. Which I
8: think is brilliant <laughs> because I can definitely identify with a sibling I don't know, I, that who I don't yeah. connect with more, more so than, than I like... can uh, bumping off a, a boxer. Yeah. Uh, it's just, just not a life experience I have.
0: So uh, Mary Wench is a um, uh, 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 typical pastiche. I, I love the old school adventure genre and um, sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy kind of thing. So I just said, let's just, I just want to try something that incorporates all of those um, and I'm a big fan of world building uh, okay. it, I like the idea of being able to construct something that's like not not only like not of this earth but not of this universe and um, so that whole steampunk fantasy uh, world that I'm trying to construct there is, is an exploration of that um, it takes a lot of ideas from other projects I've worked on in the past that I just never was able to get to um, and I just wanted to challenge myself, I as a male writer i often have trouble correctly or uh, properly writing a female protagonist and you know either they're side characters or not used at all um so that was another challenge i wanted to give myself was i really want to make a strong solid female lead um try to i think this last episode we had more female leads than men which i was Mm -hmm. i was i was happy that i was able to get that um but so yeah, it's it's a it's a mix of all the the old school Errol Flynn Star Wars kind of adventure, but just in a place that hopefully no one's familiar with <laughs> to give it a sense of newness.
8: The cast of this show really has created this beautiful second writers' room, yep. Um, yep. where you know when we have our first rehearsal. They give us just this beautiful, invaluable feedback, and um, and I really want to give them the credit that's due. Yeah. That when when it comes right down to it, you know, we came up with the scripts and the words that came out of their mouths, but the reason that it is funny and the reason that you like it is almost uh, I would say like sixty percent, eighty percent sits on the on the
0: shoulders of the entire cast. Everybody's involved in the in the creative process Mm -hmm. in this one and i don't i also don't want to skip out on uh our musicians of the past year including arnie parrot was there to help us start out um he's a good friend of ours also from the ren fair um and then our current musician is jason lord who um actually was part of the writing team i you were introduced to him at a party i was introduced to him at a party several parties um and uh but um he was one of the writers on the jersey shore musical um, that was very successful here in Chicago a couple of years back and uh, so we're very blessed to have him on as our current musician Zarni had uh, other things he had to do and then Peter again our sound guy mm-hmm. like phenomenal sound guy It's
8: it's really become this huge collaboration between all of the people in the group um, it's a real tight crew and yeah. and we I'm just I don't I'm super proud of of the community that it's built
1: that's wonderful. Let's let's talk real quick about let's get granular on on the process of making the show because you were Ansel, you were referring to the second writers' room. Um, how how many how many people write the shows? First of all, what does it look like? Because I know there's a head writer for each, you know, each different thing. Adam, you're in charge of Lost in Paradise and Mob Daughters. Yes. And Derek, you do Mary Wench Wendy, and yep. Ansel, you do Geezer Space. Yes. Does that mean that each one of you writes the whole script for one of that? And that
8: how does it how does it work? So, um, generally, it comes down to each of us writes the script for the serial, um, and then we send it out through a Google Doc to everybody else. Um,
5: each of the other writers,
8: yeah, to, to the other writers. So the, the it's just the three of us basically that that do the initial writing for the mm-hmm. s- for the scripts. Uh, and Derek, uh, also writes all of the, or the majority of the, the Devon and Burlington yeah. and the all first of the, draft at least. yeah, all mm-hmm. of that business comes from Derek. Um, so, so yeah, we get, we get all of the scripts together, all of the segment pieces together, uh, and we all get to read them and give feedback before they get conglomerated into the main script, uh, which Derek Usually, Derek and Adam usually assemble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once we get it to our first table read, again, the cast gets a chance to mm-hmm. take a look at it and, and give their feedback.
5: Yeah. We'll go through chunk by chunk and uh, so that we've we've time to focus on each individual you know section, be it a host section or a serial or any of the weird little super short little bits that are in there as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the.
5: Then it gets another revision. Then everybody goes back and everybody uh, digests the group notes and you know makes adjustments here and there. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's it's
8: interesting in that the the recordings that you get uh, at home are a lot of times the second time that the entire script has been read by the cast. Um, You know, we we've got a first read and then we then we change it and so there's only the second read and that performance um so it it really does speak volumes to the preparation of the cast members and the fact that they go home and and really digest it and and build their own character motivations into it that we get such a beautiful project or a beautiful um product product that's the word i wanted um at the end of it, it's uh, it's a really fascinating process, and it's it's also very quick, because we do produce a new show every month. Uh, we, we kind of have to work on yeah. that schedule.
1: And, and do you, you, you perform each script twice, once at BlackRock and once at Fizz?
0: Currently, yes. Currently, yeah. yes, yeah. How in, in does the, the days,
1: show... Oh, yeah, go ahead.
8: Oh, in, in the old days, it was one time... Uh, yep. At another place yep. that was loud and, and so...
5: One chance and that's it.
8: Yeah, there's a reason that those older recordings need to be redone.
1: <laughs> How does the show change from the first... Does it, does it ever change, I should say, between the first performance and the second? Do you go home, say, this gag worked, this gag did not?
0: We don't do... Script changes at that point because uh, the, the improv segments are always going to be different because that's whatever is popping out of someone's head that night. Uh, I do think the performance gets a little tighter for the second time around. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, we do uh, Black Rock first, then Fizbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, fizzbar has got the, the the bigger space and um, a little larger setup, so we can fit more people in. So. Um, yeah I'd say that's but it's not like you're seeing an entirely different show between the two.
8: I think as as the producer and the person who like has to deal with the locations the thing that really interests me about it is that at Blackrock we get this very living room welcome to the side of my fireplace sort of feel. It's a
5: very intimate space. Yeah, it's space it's, it's, by it's very very
8: intimate and I think that comes across in the recording. I feel like the recordings are Devin and Burles inviting the, the audience into this shared space, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's got that you know that tenderness to it.
5: And Fizz feels more like a production, like, a, you know, you're coming to see this show and there's going to be lights and people doing fantastic things. Yeah. It's a little bit more, you know, presentational, a little more out there. Yeah.
8: Fizz is a, is a much poppier location. It's got, it's got all, the, all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Fizz is definitely a great live experience, but it's been really nice to get BlackRock as our recording location. Yeah. Um, because we do get that that more like intimate feel mm-hmm. i think and it's so nice and crisp too oh it's beautiful we're so lucky to have such amazing venues to work with mm-hmm. and and we couldn't have gotten luckier uh the just yeah the the crispness of that space really does come across well and also and the,
0: the uh, equipment we got like the sure the microphones from sure uh donated um so we're always thankful for that they're fantastic gift from them and
1: yeah i was gonna ask about that sponsorship how did you how did you swing that biz uh basically through peter, peter yeah Laird,
0: our sound the, guy works for sure he works for sure mm-hmm. um he presented to them the uh the basics of the project from what i recall and um and they were just incredibly generous with handing us
8: mm-hmm. the,
0: these these microphones to microphones to use and um,
8: and um
0: i know i know a big part of radio drama revival is
8: about um, resources for up and coming podcasters and getting that that sort of information out there. And it really is a, a testament to the importance when you're doing a project like this of networking and and finding finding the resources that you have in your um, immediate circle that can help to make the project work. because um, if you only have, if you only have the resources to do, either a venue or recording equipment you know if you can network one or the other then yeah. then you've now you've got both things
1: I think that's a really lovely note to end on <laughs> thank you sure yeah.
0: thank you
1: Ansel Adam Derek thank you so much for, thank for you. coming on Radio Drama Revival thank Whoa, you so, so much thank for you that again. It. oh god that turned into Bert Lahr <laughs> okay. actually that's kind of like a, a Paul Lind voice I gonna let me fight. try that again from the center square <laughs>
0: Quit stealing my thunder! <laughs> oh, I must stew away.
1: Ansel, Adam, Derek, thank you so much for coming on Radio Drama Revival.
7: You
8: thank got you. it. This is a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yes.
1: And that just about does it for us here at Radio Drama Revival for today. If you liked what you heard today, check out Starlight Radio Dreams on iTunes. I'll include that link in the sweet, sweet show notes. You can follow them on Twitter at Devon Showtime. That's Devon with an I. Now, let me hit you with some credits. There's no faster sound blaster better worth your piaster. He's the king of the keys and the lord of the board. I'm talking about our producer, Matthew J. Boudreau. The J stands for justice. Lurking in the libraries of forgotten kingdoms, brushing dust from sarcophagi and dodging traps, it's our intrepid researchers, Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreau, who make me sound like I know what the hell I'm talking about. And if I don't, then it's sure not their fault. If you're bopping your head along to this theme music you're listening to right now, then you've got Oakland's own DJ Stranger Danger to thank. Check him out on SoundCloud. Finally, from deep in the woods of Maine, it's that icy tingle on the back of your neck, the feeling you're being watched. It's our executive producer, Fred Greenhalgh. I'm going to be testing out some goodbye catchphrases over the next few episodes, so if you think of one you like, uh, give me a holler at @radiodrama on Twitter and use the hashtag #FindDavidACatchphrase. For now, I'm going with suggestions from Jeffrey Gardner and Felix Trench. So here's one. And as it was foretold, I'm David Reinstrom. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers discount not available in all states or situations.
0: Get to Old Navy one day only, Saturday. Summer's hottest dresses are on sale, just 10 bucks for women, 8 bucks for girls. Plus, save even more when you redeem your Super Cash through Sunday at Old Navy and oldnavy.com. Hurry in, valid 6/8 select styles only.